Hello and welcome to new episode of our EuroHealth podcast. My name is Jan Kusacek and our guest today is a professor and head of department of allergy, pulmonary disease and internal medicine uh, at the Central Clinical Hospital of the Ministry of Interior and Administration in Warsaw, as well as um, president of the Polish Society of Public Health and uh, member of the executive board of European Public Health Association, Professor uh, Andrzej Mariusz Fall. Welcome. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for this kind uh, presentation. <laughs> um, so we are meeting at the uh, at the time when uh, uh, topic number one in all media is uh, the new Omicron variant uh, of uh, of COVID nineteen, and I can hardly start with anything else. What do you mean? Uh, what do you think that uh, this uh, this new variant will mean? For, for us, for the necessary um, uh, regulations and uh, provisions uh, that our governments impose on us? Well, for the past two years, we kind of uh, playing a game with this guy called uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus. And uh, uh, in my opinion, he just scored uh, uh, because the Omicron variant that uh, we all know about, which is I'd say brand new in this case. It's been uh, found in early uh, early uh, November in Botswana. And uh, why why I think the virus scored during this game right now because this is the first variant uh, from the very beginning of Delta where we have, for starters, a lot of uh, different changes. So it's over 50 mutations uh, in uh, uh, this new variant. Most of them are located in the spike protein that we know that it's a, a key to enter the uh, the human cell. So potentially, well, we need to observe it, of course, but potentially it's a very potent variant that may really change a lot. Uh, of course, we need to observe uh, uh, how very contagious is it as uh, compared to the uh, delta that's uh, that's the leading in, in in Europe right now of course we need to look at the symptoms we need to look at how severe disease will de- be developed after infection with this new variant but uh, what is very important is that uh, this variant uh, fills a mm, gap that we've been uh, talking about for a while already because we are all excited about the numbers of people being vaccinated in Europe, which is pretty understandable. We would like to to, to have 75-85 percentage in vaccination, but we know that there is not such a country, and our countries, especially I'm talking about Poland, are uh, well really low in this uh, in these numbers. But uh, caring of that, we very often forget about those countries that are absolutely not vaccinated. Let's say Africa. Mm-hmm. Let's say Botswana. Uh, this, uh, they become a kind of reservoirs for the virus where the virus can infect people because, first of all, they are not vaccinated. Secondly, they can be uh, non-competent in uh, in the name of uh, 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 the immune system because AIDS, it's, uh, it's a big plague down there. So in this case, these people not vaccinated could uh, cause uh, a, a 
well, let's say with the playing terminology, a golf course for the virus where the, the virus can infect, mm-hmm. mutate, and create new potentially very, very bad variants that then will be re-exported to Europe, United States. And as long as the vaccines that we're using here are protecting us against the new variants, well, we be fine. But uh, if the changes continue, if we have such variants with 50 plus different mutations, mm-hmm. at some point we'll find a virus that will possibly be absolutely not uh, 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 well looking or uh, resist, absolutely resistant to the immunity that we are building. What I mean to say is that uh, even though we need to work more on our societies to convince people who are skeptical to make them still go and get their injection, get their jet, but we need to support financially and organizationally also countries who cannot financially afford uh, buying uh, vaccines for their inhabitants. It's, it's, it's not only uh, uh, humanity, it's also well understood our own business to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think that uh, current vaccines will still work uh, with, the, with the new variant? Do, do we have any, any data yet? No, we do not have no data about Omicron. As I said, it's uh, it's a baby that's three weeks or four weeks yep. old, so we don't know anything about this variant. Uh, especially, we do not know how how really it's being is gonna be affected by by the immunity that we have uh, uh, due to the vaccines we're using. Um, you are known as a strong supporter of vaccination. Uh, what uh, uh, what do you do reply to people who are anti-vaccines and say, well, uh, now or in maybe a couple of months, we'll have a new variant that will be resistant to current vaccines, and then uh, you will be in the same um, hole as uh, with all your uh, three jabs as uh, are uh, us who did not uh, get any. So, uh, Well, uh, first of all, uh, we are not so much surprised that we waiting every year to listen when the WHO says what uh, 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 influenza viruses will be using for the jets this uh, autumn, which is pretty normal that virus changes, virus mutates. So uh, the same happens to the coronavirus, but it's a, a younger virus, so it uh, mutates faster. It affected already 300 million people in the globe, so it had a very, very good place to mutate. Uh, When uh, 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 well, some skeptic people approach me saying, would you just suggest that, okay, well, a new mutation approaches and you with your, with your three j- uh, jets will be at the same point as we are who never got uh, inoculated. Well, this is not true because, first of all, uh, not all of the skeptics will live uh, long enough to look at that. Because when we uh, look at the fourth wave, not only in Poland, not only in Czechia, but uh, all, all over the world, uh, 
We have now uh, patients who are very severely ill and who are dying that are otherwise quite healthy young people. Healthy, I mean 30, 40, 50 years old, who never had any chronic diseases, but they are dying just because of uh, uh, the COVID disease, just because they haven't got their immunity well. So they haven't got vaccinated. So this is uh, one thing I can tell them, those who are still skeptical, come to my hospital, come to my clinic. I'll show you young people who refused to get vaccinated when they could. And well, now for them, it's a little bit too late. Hmm. So this is one thing. And the second uh, thing about uh, the new variants that possibly would escape uh, uh, the antibodies that we are that we are producing after vaccination. Well, okay, that's why I'm glad that we have a new technology. The mRNA technology allows us to uh, make new vaccines within two or three months. We have to understand that if not this virus, so the viruses will be, and they already are, a part of our environment. The 20th century was a century of uh, uh, the influenza virus. It started with the Hispanic flu after the First World War. We had uh, 25 or 26 endemics and uh, semi-pandemics of uh, uh, influenza in the 20th century. As we see the 21st century, we have only the third very important worldwide pandemic caused by the coronaviruses. We had the SARS-CoV-1, then we had the MERS, now we have SARS-CoV-2. So no doubt the viruses are gonna, and the viral diseases are going to stay with us, are going to pose a very major threat to the public health, and we better get used to being vaccinated, and we better find the technologies that allow us to react early. And uh, what is the situation in Poland with vaccination? Uh, for example, well, in Czech Republic, uh, we are still lacking behind uh, well, not only Portugal, but many, uh, let's say, old EU countries. Is it the same in uh, Poland? Yes, in Poland, we have the same problem. We have uh, uh, around 60% percent uh, uh, people vaccinated. And even worse than that, we have only 1% or 1.5% of those who are uh, in... Uh, who started vaccinating. So, so those who are freshly convinced yep. and decided to vaccinate. I think that, uh, you know, uh, I'm always against using fear in, 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 in telling people what they should do. But I think that people looking around and seeing what's happening with those who are not vaccinated, well, at least some of them will go and get uh, get their vaccines. But this is not the, the best way. Well, it works, but uh, I would prefer them to, to listen to, to, to what we say, the, the doctors, the scientists, uh, this, this will be fine if they well could discuss with us and uh, get convinced and go get their vaccines. Well, that's nice. But even even if they go to get their vaccines because they are afraid, well, it's better than if they do not go at all. And uh, do you think that uh, the situation could be somewhat uh, changed by uh, implementation of uh, or, or coming to the market of uh, of new types of vaccine? Um, I mean, th there is this uh, mRNA vaccines, 
for, for uh, there were first, then there were f- uh, the vector vaccines. But uh, uh, we are discussing a uh, vaccine that uh, was uh, prepared uh, in a more traditional way. And maybe some people are still afraid that, uh, let's say, mRNA is too uh, cutting edge technology and maybe they would uh, be more comfortable with uh, something more traditional. Oh, absolutely. We have three different technologies present and accepted right now in, in Europe for the uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. And, well, the choice, uh, thanks God, the choice we have and uh, the wise choice should be made by, by every one of us. Uh, I, I use the instance of mRNA vaccines because, well, they will be the ones who can produce new products, who introduce new products uh, much faster than those with the uh, with the other technologies. But once the products are in- introduced, of course, the, the, the choice should be free uh, between them three because they are their elective. Um, and what about uh, vaccination of uh, children between f- five and eleven uh, or twelve, which was much discussed? Some people believe that uh, since they are quite safe again uh, so well, it's not hot news well it's a decision of ima that was in a couple of days ago uh, but this is quite natural and i, I was uh, and most of the uh, most of us doctors and scientists were expecting this uh, decision just because when we look at what happens when we uh, vaccinate the first the elderly then the adults uh, so uh, uh, youth and then children become at more risk. So it's quite natural that the virus goes the easiest way. And the easiest way is to uh, to, 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 to try to, to get those not vaccinated. Then, uh, so when we started vaccinating the population, we started from the elderly because they were at, at the highest risk. Then we went to the adults. Now we're moving to children because they, they are at the lowest risk. Yeah, that's true. But the, 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 the lowest is in zero. Well, we have the word Euro in the name of our podcast. So uh, I um, must ask whether you think that uh, there should be something more done by the European Commission uh, when talking about uh, the pandemics. Are they doing enough? Well, I think that uh, pandemics will learn us and will show to the uh, uh, Commission that uh, healthcare policy should be... uh, more European uh, because, well, this very important issue has been left almost in 100% to uh, the member countries and I think that uh, the movements that we notice uh, uh, recently, the Union Against Cancer and as well as some uh, some actions during the pandemic are showing that uh, acting together is, is much better. So if we have uh, common social policies uh, uh, for Europe, we shouldn't we have common health policy and I think and I hope that uh, with all the bad things that pandemic brought to us this will be one of the benefits uh, that will arise after pandemics okay and um, well what what do you think that uh, is the impact of uh, of pandemics on uh, mental health and especially substance uh, substance abuse do you think that uh, it's somewhat uh, connected you know, uh, mental health is one of the four 
most complications after uh, the uh, COVID disease. Uh, first of all, it's uh, lung fibrosis, then we have heart fibrosis, then we have mental uh, health, and then we have neurologic issues. So these four are the most common. Of course, we have also several other uh, sufferings or several other worsening of chronic conditions that are, uh, that are connected with uh, the COVID-19 disease, but the aforementioned are those most important, and really the uh, psychiatric changes, the psychiatric patients are among the most affected, because when we see that uh, first fear, that's a very important issue for many of us, for many of those, especially at the first wave of uh, COVID when it was absolutely unknown and we, we feared most, I think, at that mm. time. Uh, secondly, isolation. Uh, you don't socialize. You don't have the regular relations. It has yeah. to impact your psyche, and especially, especially for, for the adult, yeah. children and, and, yeah. and the young ones. Of course, of course, yes. I don't know uh, to what extent because I'm not the specialist in this field, uh, but well, I'm absolutely positive, and I see it also already uh, uh, when I look at the patients that are coming to us. Also, young patients because one of the uh, outpatient departments is allergy, so this is the clinic of mm. relatively younger people. And uh, do you think that uh, when I mentioned substance abuse, do you think that people started uh, to drink more, to smoke more, to, let's say, alleviate the stress? Oh, yes, this is, this is, this is true. Well, when we look at the reports, well, I'm very familiar with the reports about Poland, uh, somehow less familiar with uh, other countries. But when we need to uh, look at the Nielsen report about alcohol consumption in Poland, we started spending much, much, much more on alcohol during the pandemic, although we're not drinking more. So as we used to drink as a society, well, roughly 11, 11 and a half liter of uh, pure, ethanol, no. uh, pure ethanol a year. So we still keep drinking that much but uh, many more people up to 30 percent drinkers uh, confessed that they were binge drinking during mm. pandemic which is uh, very important it is very bad because well uh, 11 11 liters per capita is not a huge result i mean this is the average european i mm. would say but 30 percent of people being at least once binge drinking this is already a big threat to public health or to their health mm -hmm. of course <laughs> yep. but to public health uh, in, in in general secondly uh, we uh, well, gained some weight. We gained uh, six kilo weight per person in Poland. That's quite a huge gain. Yeah. And we started buying not only cheaper, cheaper yeah. food. Well, we started buying cheaper food yeah. in general. And we, uh, for most of the time, we didn't... Uh, have opportunity or we didn't want to practice we didn't run we didn't mm. bike uh, so well the, the effect is we are we are by six kilo heavier which is also a threat to metabolic diseases to cardiac disease and so on and so forth and finally thirdly uh, we uh, smoke as we did but this is a very good thing that might arise some of us uh, 
reached for the, let's say, heat not burn products or mm -hmm. other products, not because they were so convinced they are better, but they were closed in small spaces mm -hmm. with other people. <laughs> <laughs> so they were forced to, and this is the good part about it, yeah. because this is harm reduction. Yeah, at least something good came yeah, out of well, it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm trying to catch up yeah. with, with you know, small good things. So this is the second. The first one is a, is a common European health policy, which yeah. is a huge thing. And this one is also a good thing. Maybe pandemics brings us closer to uh, to harm reduction, at least in, in the cigarette smoking. Mm -hmm. Well, when you mentioned harm reduction, it's a big topic that we are discussing in this uh, podcast. So um, how is it in po Poland? Is this, uh, let's say, widely adopted uh, policy towards uh, uh, the substance abuse? Well, um, frankly, frankly speaking, not. Uh, well, I, I, I hope it's gonna change, but it's gonna need a lot of work uh, to to have it changed. Uh, simply everything that goes this way is being put to the same basket with the regular cigarettes and uh, uh, convincing people that. Uh, to to some obvious things is, is sometimes very difficult. It's convincing people to go get I injected, go go d get. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 so at this point, um, we see that uh, uh, let's say we have hundred percent, hundred patients who smoke. Uh, only five percent of them can afford quitting smoking without any support. I mean, uh, well, really keep that because, yeah. well, there are many. You can of quit them smoking who, who quit three smoking times a day, for, but. Yes, uh, well, uh, <laughs> Mark Twain. Yeah. But, well, nothing difficult. <laughs> I did it a thousand times. So it's uh, about yeah. this, the, not this kind of quitting, I mean, but the really quit smoking. Mm -hmm. It's 5% of them. Let's say when we uh, use some psychotherapy, this increases to 15%. Then uh, uh, nicotine substitution. Well, we up to 35%. But at least 40% of the heavy smokers, lifetime smokers, uh, well, sit in my doctor's office and say, well, doc, I'm not interested. I need, I need a cigarette. Well, and these are the people, the only people we should advise to go to the uh, harm reduction techniques. I know the, uh, well, the counter arguments. Well, uh, nobody is saying this, these are health, uh, healthy products. No, they're not. But harm reduction is not giving very healthy things. But, well, if you may use it healthier, yep. less harmful. This is the only thing we are suggesting. And uh, is there uh, any country in... Uh EU that could be used as a as a role model for uh, those harm reduction policies. I don't think that we have such a, such a leader. There are several countries who are uh, who are really looking deep into the harm reduction. Uh, I 
have a deep uh, admiration to the British system nice of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And Britain used to be, well, uh, uh, one of the countries that was showing that harm reduction should be introduced by, by doctors, should be introduced by, by nurses. There's nothing, nothing shameful in it. Simply do it right. Do it properly. Prepare yourself, prepare yourself learn yourself what is it, and then teach your patient. Okay, and uh, well, why, why do you think that uh, uh, this approach is not really widely adopted by by politicians, by the leading government uh, officials? Is it because uh, it's not so politically attractive as a zero tobacco policy and ban uh, that, and uh, let's say put uh, heavy pressure on smokers and absolutely, them this is one of the reasons uh, zero smoke environment. Well, it's absolutely correct. Nobody will object. Nobody will tell you that you're, well, going or blinking to the uh, 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 cigarette manufacturers or you're doing something bad. But this is only one reason. Second reason is that uh, uh, in, a, in case of Poland, the budget uh, gets uh, around 10 billion uh, euros in taxes. Uh, most of all, uh, access tax yearly from the uh, cigarette business. Mm. So uh, simply sometimes you cannot afford losing this money. Even if it uh, could be, uh, let's say, outweighed by uh, healthier citizens. And But this uh, comes in 20 years and you need yeah. money the next year. <laughs> yes, that's... that's uh Most definitely. So, uh, looking at this from the perspective of public health, uh, of course, zero tolerance for smoke is the goal. But this goal, in my opinion, can be reached only at the so-called primordial prevention. So, mm. teaching, education, education, teaching. We need to start with children and be very consequent for 20 years. After that, possibly will have almost no smoking societies. No smoking is one, uh, I think that one of our digits is, is fine because I, I don't remember in the story of the humankind any of the cultures that wasn't drinking or smoking something. <laughs> so I'm, well, even being uh, an optimist, uh, I'd say that having uh, three or 5% smokers in a society, it's, uh, would be a very, mm. very good result. But this is, as I said, uh, a 20 year long goal and we need to start it now and we need to start the primordial education. Uh, But at the same time, we cannot leave those who are already smokers. So these are the two things, the two ways to go, but they're not alternatives. We need to go them both at the same time. And what about the uh, European Commission? Do they uh, support uh, harm reduction uh, for, uh, for smokers? Mm, as you know, yes and, and no. <laughs> at the same time, yep. they do support saying, okay, we need to have the harm reduction policy. But uh, secondly, they do not encourage member countries, uh, member states to to go uh, this way. That's why I think we started about the common or more uh, coherent European health policy, because, well, this is also health policy. This is public health, behavioral 
uh, mm-hmm. damages such like alcohol, uh, sweets, salt, uh, smoking. This is the most important long-term threat. I think that even more important than the infectious diseases mm. to the public health. Look, uh, we now, not uh, after two years of pandemics, well, almost two years yep. of pandemics, we have six million dead people. But in the, at, during the same time, over 80 million hmm. around the world died prematurely because of the NCDs, non-communicable mm-hmm. chronic diseases. So uh, we cannot say that we're fighting only uh, infectious diseases and we already forgot the non-communicable diseases. Again, these are the two ways and we need to go them both. Um, there is a huge discussion at the European level uh, and also in the in the member states uh, about uh, what uh, role uh, plays uh, play flavors uh, when we are talking about uh, uh, tobacco uh, tobacco products. Well, there are some pe- people who say that uh, they should be banned because it makes uh, uh, those products more attractive to uh, to youngsters. Uh, well. Uh i I do agree if if it makes really very attractive to youngsters, well, this has to be taken under supervision, maybe even banned. Hmm. But first of all, as I remember, all countries in the European Union have a very strict law that these products cannot be sold to youngsters. So well, why do we uh, talking about it? So is something not working? In these countries, <laughs> that's a that's a very good question. Well, I feel that uh, I have uh, children just uh, under age that is relevant for uh, for that. And uh, but but I see that the uh, they are they are uh, slightly older peers. Uh, for them, it's uh, the smoking of cigarettes is considered uh, like uncool. But using those uh, uh, flavored products is uh, uh, well that 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 is kind of uh, kind of cool. Many like TikTokers, etc. Et it's it's uh, uh, part of their their lifestyle. So so maybe it should be uh, this this should be topic for for uh, the national governments to uh, to address. Uh, uh, being very serious now, yes, I do. I do think and I do agree that flavors, uh, colorful boxes, uh, should be banned. Okay, that's that's pretty straightforward <laughs> answer. So um, uh, in um, uh, in about uh, uh, in about a week, uh, there will be. Uh, the uh, discussion uh, or uh, voting uh, at the at the at the European level, uh, European Parliament's uh, uh, BCA committee, uh, and um, uh, what uh, do you think will be the the, the most important uh, topics uh, on that? Well, I, I hope that at, at this level we're not going kill again the harm reduction attitude no. because uh, this is the thing that is helping many people in the country who applied this attitude and I think that should be implemented in other countries just to leave some choice to those who really refuse to quit smoking. Hmm. We had we had the drug problem, we have methadone. We had the alcohol problem, we have 0% uh, uh, beer. So why don't we have 
anything for those who are smokers, who are dependent on nicotine, who are refusing to cooperate or are refusing to get any knowledge that will make them cooperate. Well, we we discussing with the anti-vaccines, uh, vacciners, well, trying to, to, to help them to show the way, and we are not discussing and we are not showing the way those anti-quitters, smokers, well, hmm. let's, let's help them. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, in a long term, uh, you mentioned education, education, education. Uh, but I think that uh, these days, if you ask anybody on the street uh, if smoking is good for their health, everyone knows that it's not. Yet they, they are still smoking. So uh, w- uh, how this approach could be, let's say, changed uh, to simply accepting the fact, yeah, it's, it's not healthy, well, I'm drinking as well, and I'm eating unhealthy food as well, so well, I, I'll probably die, uh, what's, what's that? So. Uh, Yes, uh, um, uh, everyone in, in the street uh, knows that smoking is bad, but most of them are convinced, well, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Well, if I smoke, I'll then have this cough, you know. Uh, uh, most of them still, even though these are the, the communications, the pictures on, uh, uh, on, on the boxes, the boxes right. uh, they still uh, don't trust that this is really due to cigarettes, hmm. first of all. And the second, you know, if you are just listening to that and uh, you are being convinced by, by someone else that this is uh, really bad for you, but you like it, it's always like uh, with the thief that wants to, to, to open the bank. Well, this is illegal. I may be caught. But maybe it works. Maybe it, I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting caught. Maybe it's not yeah. me who's gonna be sick. Yeah. So people simply, if not educated, but only given the fact that you may get sick, it's not uh, uh, that they understand that 80% of mm. those smokers have smaller or, or bigger disease. If they do not understand this, this is not a full education. That's why it doesn't work. Uh, and secondly, a part of education is also a social attitude too. So if we educate the full society, starting with small children, that smoking is bad, a smoker is not our friend, hmm. then it works for them, will be natural for them not to smoke. Really, it's, uh, I, I know, it's difficult to quit smoking once you start. So hmm. the only way to get the zero tolerance to get the zero smoke environment is to start here and now with the children so that they'll never start smoking. Mm. Once a smoker, always a smoker. Maybe this is not true, but for at least 50% it's very Mm. true. Even five years or six years being not a smoker, a successful quitter, you grab a cigarette, you grab a pack, Mm. you're back. Yeah, that's this was pretty much similar with the with the alcohol addiction, right? right? The, yeah. Well, this is dependency. It's well yeah. the same physical and physiological mm-hmm. mechanism. And maybe it, it's even about uh, not seeing uh, smoking as a uh, 
widely acceptable part of the adult uh, world, right? When, when I was a kid, it was uh, perfectly normal to see uh, doctors in their uh, offices uh, with, uh, with, with cigarettes. That's uh, most definitely not the case today. Oh, frankly, yeah. When, when I was a young doctor, we were six in the same uh, uh, office in the, in the hospital, yeah. and the five of us uh, were work, uh, smoking. Yeah. Yeah, but but th- that's not what uh, ah, but this was a long 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 yeah. time ago the, <laughs> the last dinosaurs were still in the, <laughs> in the streets um, um. But uh, let's uh, connect the two topics that uh, we discussed uh, uh, today um because I think that uh, there is a third uh, positive uh, thing on the on the whole covid situation and it is uh, more um importance that is given to um, uh, to general health uh, of, of the person to prevention to a healthy uh, lifestyle uh, that because uh, people see that uh, of course young uh, uh, sportsmen die uh, due to covid as well but uh, it's much Uh, that there is much higher risk uh, if you are uh, overweight and have uh, various uh, connected uh, diseases, don't you think? Uh, absolutely, yes. But this also needs education. Even though it's very visible, you're saying mm-hmm. oh, everybody sees, which is not true. Yeah, uh, You're looking <laughs> and not seeing. You're only yeah. looking at this. You're not seeing that. So we need to make social campaigns showing that, pointing it out. And then it's education. Because, well, once again, Well, okay, he died. Well, maybe he was sick. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he was. Who says he wasn't? So uh, we need to work on the cases you just picked up. We need to say, okay, the lifestyle saved him. Say, lifestyle saved 90%. Okay? Because, well, uh, we have always the genetics standing behind. Then we have the external influence and the genetics... Uh, with the external influence, with the environment, creates phenotypes. And phenotypes are either, well, you're sick, you develop this disease, or you do not develop this disease. So we're not saying that the genetics does not influence your ability or your chance or your risk to develop chronic diseases. Yes, but this is only 10 to 15%. Mm. Over 50% is your lifestyle. This is so-called health fields of Lalonde. They have been published in the late 70s of the 20th century. And they are true until now. So this is a part of education to show people and to explain people how much they put at risk. Because they, well, they don't know it themselves. Hmm. Well, uh, and uh, what does uh, what uh, what does the government uh, what can the government do with that? Um, why am I asking? It's my it's uh, my favorite uh, question. Sometimes uh, I have a colleague here who is very sporty sporty type, so I like to ask uh, our guests: Is it fair that uh, he pays the same percentage of his income on health insurance as me, who has uh, let's say a long term attraction towards um, uh, sweet food, etc.? Uh, oh, well, it's a very good question, but remember that we in Europe, we chose, uh, no matter if we have a, a more German or more British system, uh, we chose the public uh, uh, support of public uh, financing yeah. of uh, of the healthcare systems. And I 
cannot find a way in the public system to make those uh, uh, who are uh, well, let's say if uh, the dependency, uh, if uh, being dependent on uh, cigarette smoking is uh, a disease, so we need to treat these people and not to uh, make them pay. Well, <laughs> at this attitude, of course, uh, in my opinion, as a doctor, they should be made to pay if they do not stop. As per, also, those who do not come to the regular checkups. Hmm. every two or every five years, depending on, on the condition. If they do not show for a checkup, well, they, they, they are required to pay higher insurance premium. I, well, I, I do understand that, and I absolutely agree with that. But once again, we have the public financing, and it's very, very hmm. difficult to introduce it in, 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 in Europe unless it's going to be a common European health policy. Hmm. Then we can work on that, then we can cooperate, and then we come to our first subject of today's meeting, of today's uh, uh, seminar. Well, why not to make politicians, first of all, to prepare acceptable regulations and rules in public health and health policy for the entire Europe? Well, this is uh, actually a very lively discussion these days in, in Czech Republic as well, since we are about to have a new government and uh, the the matter of motivation is a, uh, is a it's huge... It's also a post-COVID topic. change. Uh, well, this is a post-election change, and uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, the COVID uh, situation definitely contributed to uh, to the, the situation. Because, well, uh, I can think of hardly any government in in EU that uh, would be considered by uh, by the voters as, as successful as fully successful in dealing with uh, uh, well with that, that's true in uh, ter- in terms of covid-19 but uh, there are huge differences though i mean i don't see a, a 100% successful government but uh, 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 there are governments who are doing better and uh, mm-hmm. governments who are uh, doing worse in this case but we are we are talking about uh, uh, well, you, you ask a question if the governments, uh, European countries, uh, or the EU itself do enough for the public health. Uh, I would say that uh, no, we do not spend enough for the prevention. We therefore need to spend much more on the uh, 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 curative medicine because mm. we do not pay for preventing diseases, we do not pay for the prophylaxis. I think that uh, uh, much better cooperation between the non-governmental organizations and well, financing from the public budget, while well, putting these two things closer together than we do so far, uh, could help uh, the situations. Well, I, I understand that uh, uh, the prevention, the prophylaxis, is closer to the local governments and the non-governmental organizations. Yes, I do understand. I, I do agree. It should be their job more than the central government job, but the central government should finance it. Well, maybe it's a it's a similar situation to uh, the 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 taxation discussion we had uh, we had previously. Oh, Spending yes. uh, money here and saving uh, in a in a few years, right? Absolutely yes. Okay. So, 
thank you so much for your time. I think it was a uh, really um, nice uh, discussion and uh, um, I hope uh, it's not the last time we see each other. Thank you. Thank you so much.